Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investors Podcast, where we aim to give you the knowledge and confidence to move from residential into commercial property investment. My name is Jerry Alexander, and today we're going to be talking about some of the options to finance commercial deals and a few other things I've picked up along the way around finance. So let's get straight in there. There's four ways really to invest in commercial, if you think about it, and they they move up in terms of levels of risk. So the first option would be, you know, just invest in a fund. Get a fund that's involved in property, it's maybe exposed to a certain sector, and it's very hands-off. You haven't any control over what they're buying, but at least you're invested in commercial if you think that's an asset class you'd like to um, put into your portfolio. The second option is to invest in a property investment company itself. Go and buy some shares in a company that's listed, it's investing in um, commercial property, it's maybe a company that's investing in, investing in shopping centres, it might be a company investing in um, a niche such as office space. But basically you're investing in a company and again, you don't really have any influence on what they're doing. The third one, which is much more involved, is a joint venture, where perhaps somebody that you know who has some finance they would like to invest they've maybe um, seen what you've done with residential and they want to see what they can um, help you with to get into commercial and then the fourth one which is really where we're talking about most of the time in these podcasts is about direct investment it's actually about getting your money out and buying directly into the commercial property market and of course all these ways of investing, one through to four, will all have a different level of risk. The further on we go, the higher the level of risk, of course. But it's all about risk management, isn't it? It's about developing knowledge and skills and experience. Learn smaller projects and move up to larger projects. And that's how you mitigate your risk. So um, we're going to be talking more about the last two, of course. And a lot of people consider that commercial property investment is too complicated and they've often even experienced uh, sorry residential investors often ignore the option to invest in commercial property because they just don't think they can afford the deposit and this is one of the questions I get asked a lot or at least the statements I'd love to get into commercial Jerry but I just find the fact that I need to get such a huge deposit um, overwhelming I can't get in I'll maybe do it one day, but it's not something I can do just now. In fact, just the other day I was talking to somebody who was considering um, working with me on getting their first commercial property. And they said, well, um, I think I'm going to do it at the end of the year. But of course, the thing is, you need to get in the swim now. Commercial property doesn't just happen overnight. It's something that you've got to invest time in as well as money. And the time front is up 
the time element is up front. So get in the swim, go out and learn things, kick some tires. That way you're going to start to understand how the market works. And of course, find deals which potentially you can finance. So even um, residential investors with substantial portfolios under their belt do try and avoid working out how this works because, as I've said before, the market can be quite opaque and people feel that it's something beyond them. But actually, it's not. It's something you can get involved in relatively inexpensively. Of course, some people believe that relatively expensively means a small shop unit on a local high street that has perhaps a um, fast food outlet or a small shop that's rented out on a fairly long lease, fully insuring and repairing lease. The only challenge with that is there's not much you can do about it. If you buy one that's already got a tenant in, there's very little you can add. Which brings me on to the the two main approaches, really, um, to consider. Option one, and this is the one that I actually thought commercial property was all about, which is basically buy and hold. Locking in a yield and effectively an interest rate on the money that you've invested. And this might well include things like shops or office buildings, but they basically ha- or industrial units, of course, but they basically have a long-term um, income that's secured on a lease. And I used to think, right, well, one day, when I've maybe built up my portfolio and added value and done all these things in residential, then I'll maybe trade it in for some industrial stock that sits there on a 20-year lease and I just earn a basic yield. But after I started getting involved in commercial property, I realised there was an option too. Because commercial property investment doesn't have to be for the latter stages of your investment plan. It can be a great way to actually grow your overall portfolio value. Once I worked that out, it's actually been our main strategy now for years. So what am I talking about? What I mean is, if you're buying commercial that you're going to be able to add value to, either by finding a better tenant, by letting out space that's not being let, perhaps changing the class of use, then you're adding value And I'm not talking about a few pounds. You can add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of pounds of value to commercial by some simple techniques. And these will allow you to actually grow the value of your portfolio, which in residential you would then normally leverage. Well, you can do that in commercial too. You can leverage it for your next next property. But just take a wee step back for a second. Let's just remind ourselves of the different types of commercial property. Because as I say, some people think I've either got to go in and buy a £20 million office building or some people at the other extreme think I can only buy a local high street shop. But there's a huge list. So let's just have a quick look at that. And some people specialise in, in just one specific area and others have a much broader report, uh, approach. So there could be care homes, Recording studios, warehousing, storage, container storage, parking, hotels, gyms, fast food outlets, multi-let properties, business centres, business parks, industrial parks, industrial warehousing, retail shops, studios, co-working, offices, startup space, even just bare land. There are so many things that you can invest in. And bear in mind, to invest in a hotel, you don't have to own the hospitality business to own the hotel. You can lease it out to somebody who's in that business. So 
what investment strategy is actually going to suit you? Um, let's have a think about a couple of different scenarios. One scenario, maybe you've been lucky enough to exit a business or um, acquire a large pot of money. It may be through various things, of course, but you're seeking to secure investment with maybe more of a passive and passive income. And as I say, that might be more with a blue chip tenant. It might be more of a high street or a city centre location. So 25 year lease, 4 to 5% return yield. And at the end of the day, that is just going to be a passive income. It's hands off. You're not going to have to do much to it. The other scenario is the active investor. And that's really where we've specialised. It, it's taking a little bit less money and seeking to grow that pot. It's actually saying commercial is a place where I can build value, not just park and hold. So this is really the area that we're going to be talking about. And I would certainly put myself in this category. This is what we did. And the rewards can be significant for those who are willing to stretch and and maybe work out new strategies for different types of spaces. Of course, in reality, it's not as black and white. Most investments require some time time input and, and, of course, a degree of risk. And neither approach is right or wrong. You know, um, you may find that in some scenarios, buying a property with a good, strong lease covenant and a good income will help build your portfolio and allow you to leverage later on. So there, there are different times that you may adopt a slightly different investment criteria. But of course, once you've identified those the criteria that you're after, it does become easier to assess each of those properties. So don't forget the basics. If you've got a lump sum, you want to have some passive, you are probably going to be looking at a lower yield, but you can develop higher yield and leverage by actually working on projects that you can add value to. So I can totally understand both points of view. I mean, the industry has played a great game at surrounding this market in mystique. And it can be difficult to look in. It can be tempting, of course. You hear stories of how some uh, deals have been just epic. People have made lots of money. But of course, they're, they're not there all the time. It is, it's not easy, but there are ways of learning quicker and ways of getting into this market. So, for those of us who have maybe slightly less money, what are the options for finance? And of course, you know, what What actually are the um, the criteria here? So we've actually been pretty successful over the years with both fi- uh, sorry, bank finance and joint venture money. But really, our mainstay of our, our portfolio is through traditional bank finance. But we've been involved, one of, one of the things we did early on was we actually shifted some of our residential portfolio over to a high street bank rather than some of the um, banks that you maybe contact through online or at least through your broker who you've never actually met. The thing is, if you then go to those guys and say, can I do some commercial with you? It just might be something they don't do. So even though you may have built up at least track history with them, it's not really going to count for much because they just don't have those types of product. So by swapping some of our resi um loans over to a commercial loan meant that we started building a bit of traction with the bank. So when we came across a commercial opportunity 
they already had a track history. They already had some security, of course, um, on some properties. So it made that transition a little bit easier for us. But just as as a rule of thumb, deposits. Well, I had a conversation with the bank, actually, not too long ago about deposits. And their current situation is that they will lend between um, 75 down to maybe 50%. So that, so basically, the money you're looking at putting in, the deposit you might have to put in, might be 50%, it might be 25%, or somewhere in there. But of course, what's the criteria for that? Well, the bank is interested in um, four things, really. Your experience, is there any? And don't, by the way, If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. Forget, if you've been doing residential and you've been project managing residential, there is experience there that will count. The second thing they'll be looking at is serviceability. This one's a key one for the bank. So if you have an existing set of buildings that are bringing in an income and you go and buy a new one that has no income, can you service that debt with the current setup? Or actually, are you going to start going into the hole? And if you are going to start going into the hole, what is your plan? Which is the third thing. Have you got a plan that is going to allow you to um, add in income quickly? Of course, one of the great things, if you can ever do it, is find the customer first, then find the building. Because if you can actually set up a lease for a building before you've even bought it and then take that to the bank, that will help with your serviceability element. So the plan is important. That's the other part. You know, okay, what's your experience? What's the serviceability? What's your plan? How are you actually going to make this work? And of course, the last one, which we really is to do with deposits and um, the money you're putting, is the loan to value. What is the actual um, point that you're, what, what's the level of debt you're willing to, sorry, are the bank willing to give you? And there are ways of... Um, Affecting that. So, for instance, if you have a very good tenant in there, or indeed perhaps another option is your own business in there, and it's not purely looked at as an investment, it's looked at from a business point of view as well, then they may look at upping the LTV. So, if you just come along as a newbie and say, right, I want to buy a commercial building, it's vacant, there is no uh, lease, there is no person coming along to put in a lease at this moment. 
well, the loan to value they're going to be looking at is low, if indeed they'll entertain you at all. So having a think about how do I how do I convince the bank, the light, if you're going to go down that route, that there's going to be serviceability and that the plan is going to work. So I'm going to come back to that a little bit later on, but let's just look at a different option, which um, we discussed as the third way of borrowing money here, which is through a joint venture. So perhaps you've already got joint venture partners that you've been working with in Resi. Um, some of them may be interested in looking at commercial, particularly if you've developed a good track record. Of course, joint ventures are generally going to cost you more than a bank. So high street finance is going to be the cheaper option, I would suggest, in my experience. But joint venture partners, uh, and, and those of you will experience, forgive me for... Um, teaching you suck eggs but of course joint venture partners you may have some who will just put money in for an interest rate you may have some people who would like some of the upside and you may have some people that have very strict parameters including time parameters they work to and working in resi often the exit is fairly clear in commercial the exit is not always so clear and the exit is not always 12 months or nine months. It can be longer, and it can be, particularly if you're looking at multi-let buildings, it can be something that your investment partner is going to have to come along on the journey with you because the risk is slightly higher of time frames shifting. So another way, um, and I do laugh at this sometimes, one, another way to actually raise finance is I'm going to be risky here. Why not actually sell some of your houses? That's what I did. When we found that first deal, which took a long time to find, that commercial deal, we just sold some houses. That released some equity, which gave us a deposit to be able to buy the building. It, It's not impossible to sell houses. Okay, it does depend on the market and where it's at, but that is an option for you if you've already been investing in residential. Because... As the costs for resi continue to increase, or at least the taxation continues to increase, the opportunity cost for other investments gets higher. And as your return perhaps dwindles slightly, or at least your entry costs are increasing, the opportunity cost for commercial is becoming um, higher. So perhaps another way of raising finance or at least satisfying the bank is why don't you find a building that already has some income so most of the commercial uh, multiple occupancy buildings that we've bought already had an income they were maybe poorly managed so they had a lower valuation which was obviously of benefit to us but because they had an income it gave the bank or our, our joint venture partners an income that helped with serviceability so actually, um, why not consider that as one of your key investment criteria? So this is a thing I'll touch on in, a, in another podcast later on, but investment criteria is really important. This is where you manage to judge whether a project is worth investing in or actually it's something you just need to discard because it's not going to fit with what you're trying to do. And one of those criteria might be, I need to find buildings that already have an income but also have space that's not let 
because you've got both sides of the coin then, haven't you? You've got income coming in, which is going to help with serviceability, but you've got elements of the building that you can actually add value to and increase the income, which in turn will hopefully increase the value of the property. And remember, when you're buying something that's got not as much income, valuers always base or nearly always base their commercial valuations on the current income, not the future potential. Most valuers will be looking in a rear view mirror. They will be valuing on the accounts, whereas your job is to value on the future income and the future potential. So it's it's worth looking at that as a serious point. Multi-let will allow you to A, bring in some income, check on serviceability, and also allow you to add value because there's some vacant space, or at least if you're buying a building um, correctly, it should have some up, upside for you to go and um, increase the value. There's another option, and this is one that um, some people kind of forget about. Often, even residential investors don't realise they really actually have a business. So let's say you have um, a service apartment business or you have a reasonable residential portfolio which you maybe manage yourself or you have a lettings business and you're running these from home. But actually, you may well be able to justify that they actually need an office. And if you come across a building that has some office space in and some other units within it, that is a low value. And I have to say, if you look hard, there are deals out there that are well under 100 grand. You're going to have to look hard. But it might be that your business will give the serviceability and the plan that a high street bank is looking for. But if there's some vacant space in there, then you can work on that once you've moved in. So when we bought our first building, granted we funded it by selling some houses, but we also had a little bit of credibility from um, developing those houses and credibility because we had a business. We actually had another business which we moved in. wasn't the big thing that the bank was looking for, but it helps. So why not use your own business um, to actually purchase another building but make sure you get it with extra space? And of course, if you manage to make that work well... Well, maybe in a year or two when it's in, it's got some good income and you've maybe got somebody to come in and take the space that you're in, perhaps you could use that business to buy another. Another factor, of course, is SaaS. Some people will have some pensions out there who are considering that as an option for commercial. It is something we'll be covering on a future podcast, but for the purposes of where we're at just now, it is an option to switch over your pension perhaps to a SaaS where you can invest in commercial property directly. Don't forget the loan to value in there will only go to 50% but of course the income um, going in there is going to be very tax efficient. So those are some of the options for bank finance or at least the considerations that you need to think about. So if starting money is tight just make sure that that one of those key investment criteria is either A, finding a building that's already generating income, or B, a building that you can maybe perhaps pop your own business into, or indeed a partner's business into. This may help with your deposit because it's going to de-risk the project and it's going to make it attractive to 
to the bank or your joint venture partner because there is some kind of security, or not security, but there's some kind of income there. So other things just to consider, if you're raising bank finance, um, you will probably want to, if, especially if it's your first project, you might be thinking, right, I need to get this building surveyed. I want to get some valuation here so I know what we're talking about before we put in an offer and start discussing it. The problem is if you get a survey instructed and then you go to the bank, they will ask you, okay, did that surveyor work for you? And of course the answer is yes. And they will say, well, we need a third party surveyor. They can't be, it's a, it's a conflict of interest. They can't be working for you. So we're going instru- to instruct our own surveyor. So then you end up, and of course they will charge you, you end up paying for two surveys. So that's something to bear in mind if you're going out looking at property. That's the point of when you instruct the survey is important. If the bank instructs the survey, then you're only going to need one. If you instruct and survey because you're impatient and you want to find out exactly what it's worth, then you're going to have to pay it twice if you go for bank finance. Another little thing I've learned along the years, of course, with with dealing with the bank is they will sometimes say no. But what does that really mean? That just means try again. And there's been a couple of occasions where the bank have said no and I've had to reposition, change the offer, whatever it had to be, to make it work. And they've come back and said yes. So no doesn't mean no. It's not the final answer. It just means try again. A couple other things. VAT. Don't forget if you're buying a building and it's VAT, VATted, or somebody has elected to tax on that building, so the seller has elected to tax, they're charging the tenants VAT. When the building is sent to, sold to you, it may be sold trading as a going concern, which means you will not have to pay the VAT, but it may not. It depends on the accountants, HMRC, and the seller. Tax is, of course, such a big subject, and although I'm giving you some indicators here on things you need to think about, including um, some that I haven't, like capital allowances, you'll need to speak to an accountant because there are such a number of factors to consider, but also if dealt with correctly and with the right professionals, you really can um, benefit from some of the taxes that are out there that you just aren't simply possible with residential. So just before I uh, go to summarise the points, there's just a couple of things to bring in. One was, if you've ever played Cash Flow from Robert Kiyosaki, there's something you learn after a wee while, which is some people are just jolly lucky and they end up with a pot of money. They maybe buy a lot of shares and sell them at some ridiculous amount of money. But in life, often these things um, are the same. You'll, You'll know people in your circle that maybe have money. They've maybe got some money on the table. Well, Continue turning over the big deals because even though you may not be able to afford them, kicking those tires, learning from the agents, learning the process and the um, various intricacies of investing in commercial will give you loads of knowledge, but also it will give you deals that you may be able to sell on to other investors. We have done that. We've come across some big deals where I hope we were able to do it. The timing wasn't right. Or the project wasn't quite right for us, but it's been great for other people. So why not turn them over, maybe make something rather than just letting them go? And it also allows you to build up a little of a war chest, a little bit of a war chest for the next time you come across one that's going to suit your investment criteria. 
And a wee final thought on just the whole thing about I don't have enough money or should I say the excuse of I don't have enough money, I'm hoping I've managed to dispel that a little bit, is that not having a lot of money in this sector will mean you're not tempted to dive into big projects when actually you don't have maybe enough experience and things can quickly go wrong. So the challenge of not having enough money might actually be a blessing in disguise. You're going to have to work harder, you're going to have to stretch yourself, which means you're going to learn and push yourself to find better deals in order to raise the necessary finance. You won't be tempted into the very first deal that comes along, thinking, yeah, this is the one, this is going to, and you convince yourself that the yield on this is right, and maybe you're going to be able to add some value here and there, whereas actually the reality is the opportunity cost is too high, but because you've got too much money burning a hole in your pocket, you haven't actually got out and looked at it. So, if you're like me when I started in this and you didn't have as much money, it is a blessing in disguise, okay? It will actually help you out in the long run, believe me. So, just to quickly run through those things again, with finance considerations, the bank is really keen on experience, serviceability, the loan to value, and of course, the plan. That's if you're going for high street. And they will want deposits of between 25 and 50%. And to raise that deposit, you may sell some houses. Good Goodness knows um, that is a thing you can actually do. You may find a building which already has some income, which will help satisfy the serviceability element. You may actually um, be able to use your own business to actually put into that space ideally with some space left over, of course, to add the value. But these are some of the ways that you can um, either A, leverage joint venture partner uh, money, or indeed bank money. So I hope that's helped with um, dispelling some of the myths about money. I hope that you're not thinking after hearing this, oh, I'm still not sure whether I've got enough money. I've seen, the, the smallest we've ever invested is 70 grand in a high street shop. You can find deals that are cheaper. You can find deals that are a lot more. My my suggestion would be if you're just starting to move over to commercial, you don't have to start huge. You can start smaller. Even if the ROI on that is not so good, you have to remember the less tangible ROI, which is the learning and the experience you'll get and the leverage you'll have then with bank and joint venture funding because you've built some experience. And it might be you just have to say, do you know what? I'm going to have to take steps here to get into this market. I'm not going to immediately go to the number, you know, the huge building straight away that's going to make me financially independent. Maybe you're just going to have to take steps, build a plan that involves starting out with a smaller property and working your way up. Each time we've bought a multi-let, even though um, they've all been slightly different, I've always tried to make sure that we've pushed the envelope a little bit. So, we may have invested early on in just office and then we invested in office and, and workspace and then storage and then we invested in office and warehousing. Then we invested in a building that had no income at all and we were looking at retail space, um, residential space, which we got planning for, and commercial space. So that was starting to push the envelope. But by then... It was a smaller overall piece of the portfolio, so it meant that the bank felt they were not taking as much risk. But I couldn't have done that project at the start. It's something you have to work up to. So if you want to get into commercial, don't feel you have to jump in with both feet and get really deep. You can get in a smaller entry point. 
It is possible. Don't think you have to have lots and lots of money for this sector. So, are you a large pot money person? Are you looking for passive investment? Or are you looking for active investment where you can increase value? Commercial will give you both. So, I hope that's helped and I look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast. If you have any questions you'd like to um, raise or any suggestions for podcasts for the future that you would like us to maybe cover, please go to our Facebook page on Facebook, of course, Commercial Property Investors, and leave us some comments there. We'd love to have any reviews at the bottom of this, wherever you've picked this uh, podcast up, because all feedback is our friend. So, thank you. Speak to you next time.